Let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Two women met unexpectedly in the parking lot of a local bookstore, and, uh, and uh, oh, one woman had, uh, had just come from the bookstore and had this huge bundle of books in her arms, and so her, her friend said, well, what are, you, what are you doing? Did you buy out the bookstore? And she said, well, you know, all of my life, I have learned about, you know, well, I, I know the importance of prayer. I've, I've, I've been taught that. And uh, so I've decided that I am going to learn how to pray, and so I've bought these 14 books on prayer. Not only that, I have signed up for two courses, one at my church and one at a friend's church, and I am going to be, I'm going to master prayer. Well, several weeks later, the friend met this, this woman, this bookish woman uh, at the grocery store, and so she asked, well, how's, how's the big project going? Have you learned how to pray? And the woman said, oh, I just, um, actually, I found it uh, too complicated, so I gave up. Uh, but now I'm taking up yoga. I think um, all of us know the importance of prayer. Um, we know that we are to pray. What oxygen is to our physical life, prayer is to our spiritual life. It is our main occupation as a Christian Martin Luther, the reformer, said, as a shoemaker makes a shoe and as a tailor makes a coat, so ought a Christian to pray. Prayer is the daily business of the Christian. A fellow by the name of Carlo Coretta, who is a Christian writer, reminds us that prayer is not only to be our daily business, but it is the sum of our, of our relationship with God. He says, we are what we pray. The degree of our faith is the degree of our prayer. The strength of our hope is the strength of our prayer. The warmth of our charity is the warmth of our prayer. No more, no less. Now, as important as this issue is about prayer, uh, whenever this topic comes up, um, it, it raises up guilt. It, it kind of does in me, actually, because I know I should pray more. Uh, I should talk less. <laughs> I should pray more. And, of course, we all know how important it is, uh, but we just don't pray as we ought. And I suppose there are a lot of reasons why we neglect prayer or perhaps why we, we stop praying altogether. Sometimes I feel like we make it more complicated than it actually is. You know, like the, book, the lady in the bookstore, we feel like we need to read books on it or learn from some spiritual master or what have you, go to seminars. But really, when you get right down to it, prayer is a pretty simple thing. It's about being, uh, uh, it's being an intentional about focusing on being in the presence of God, listening and talking to God as a child to a loving parent. I mean, that's what it is. It's simple. It's just not that complicated. But sometimes we think it's too complicated. Or sometimes we could quit praying because we just don't seem to be getting any answers. We've all had a feeling from time to time that our prayers are, are going no further than our room. You know, like they're bouncing, the prayers bounce off the walls, don't go any higher. We pray for guidance, for healing, for uh, 
a resolution of a misunderstanding in a relationship. You know, we, we have a decision that we need to make, and so we pray for guidance. But then the, day, the days go by, we keep on praying, but no answers seem to be forthcoming. We've prayed, we've waited, we've wondered, we grow weary, we read the bold promises about prayer in the Bible, and, and we're frustrated by the disparity of what is promised in the Bible and what we experience. We follow Jesus' admonition to ask and to seek and to knock. We read that we are to make all of our requests, be, make it known to God, and they'll be granted. If you ask anything in my name, says Jesus, I will do it. And yet, no answers seem to be coming. Uh, Helmut Thielicke, who is a great German theologian and preacher, empathizes with us. He says, how often have we earnestly pled for something and haven't gotten it? All along the highway of our lives, are there not the countless grave markers of unanswered prayers? Have we not all known bitter disappointment and moments when no voice nor answer came as we ardently prayed and when we remained alone and disappointed in the silence? Well, our Lord was only too aware of our tendency to become discouraged in our prayer life. And so He told this parable. Again, we're looking at another parable. We've been talking about the parables for the last several weeks. And we come to a parable that Jesus told in uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, beginning at the first verse. He told this parable, in Luke's words, to the effect that His disciples should always pray and not give up. And so we read, again, beginning at verse 1, then Jesus told His disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to Him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time He refused. But finally He said to Himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? So, uh, it's a humorous story, really. Uh, you know, I, Jesus could be a pretty funny guy, actually. It's a funny story. Involves a judge who's a real scoundrel. He neither feared God nor cared about what anybody thought. This unscrupulous judge answered to nobody unless that somebody had some cash in his hand and could throw it at the judge in the form of a bribe, and then the judge would uh, pronounce and act in your favor all, you know, every time. So there was this scoundrel, this unscrupulous judge, and then there was this poor widow 
the very symbol of someone who is weak and defenseless in the society of that day. She was ex experiencing some injustice at the, at the hand of a neighbor, and she came to the court looking for fair judgment. But she had no shekels to throw to the judge in the form of a bribe, and she had no power at all to bully him. But this poor widow wasn't entirely defenseless because she effectively wielded her only weapon, her persistence. She badgered the judge big time. She would interrupt the court proceedings. She would, you know, uh, she would cry out with, and with loud sobs, she would make her plea and she'd have to be ushered out of the, out of the courtroom. She would... Uh, come to the judge's house at night and pound on his door. She would assail a judge in the grocery store, make life miserable. Everybody hears this business, embarrassing the judge. In fact, I think this widow was not unlike that screwball Bob, played by Bill Murray, who kept pestering his psychiatrist, played by Richard Dreyfuss, in one of my favorite movies of all time, what about Bob? Bob would always show up. And then, of course, the twist is that it's the psychiatrist who was made insane. Well, I think that widow was kind of like that. She made herself a royal pain in the neck to this judge. <clears throat> she made her life so miserable. She was so relentless that finally the judge had to give in to her. Not because he was concerned about any form of justice, but simply to be rid of this woman for good. And it's really, it's really kind of funny, I mean, it would be funny to the audience to think, you know, that this ruthless, uh, dishonest, but powerful judge should be pestered by this poor, defenseless widow and so that he finally had to give in to her. Now, remember, a, a parable generally has only one main point, and the point is this. If an unjust judge who cares nothing about people gives in to the request of a widow who keeps badgering him, how much more will God bless those who go to Him in prayer and never give up? See, the point is in the contrast. How much more? How different is our God? God is not like that unjust judge. It's okay for us to keep coming to Him. God invites us to be bold and persistent in our prayers. It's okay to beat, beat down the door to heaven. We don't have to be embarrassed by continually bombarding our God with needs and requests and our desires. God loves it. God desires our fervent, frequent, intense prayers. The invitation is open there always, to pray always. And you and I need not hold back, you know, in hesitation, fearing that somehow we're badgering God, you know, like that widow. No. But we should be as bold as that assertive widow in approaching the throne of grace and never give up until our prayers are answered. And unlike that judge, God will respond. God promises to answer our prayers because... Unlike the unjust judge, God really cares about us. I mean, He loves us, right? 
So the important thing is that you and I keep on praying. We need to be persistent, as persistent as that poor widow. Ask, seek, and knock, says Jesus in His Sermon on the Mount. And the verbs there are imperfect, which which signifies continuing action. Keep on asking, and you will receive. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. We're to keep on praying and not lose heart. In fact, the very theme of the parables is mentioned in the very first verse, right? That they should always keep on praying and not lose heart. Because God will answer. God is on our side. God is not like the unjust judge because He loves us. But here's what I've always wondered, and maybe you have too. Maybe you've read this story before, thinking about persistence in prayer. And, and the question is this. Why do you and I need to be persistent? In other words... We are told to keep on praying, um, but, you know, once you've prayed for something, shouldn't that be enough? I mean, shouldn't it? Shouldn't you just be able to lay it before God and, and have faith that God will answer it? Why do we have to keep on coming back to God with the same stuff over and over and over again? I mean, to keep on going back praying about the same, about the same thing, I mean, doesn't that show a lack of faith and trust? Why does it seem, from our point of view, that we have to badger God to get God to answer us? Well, here's the thing. It's not that you and I have to overcome God's reluctance. It's not about badgering God to get what we want. Our persistence and our struggle in prayer is not so much for God as it is for you and for me, because the constant practice of prayer shapes us inwardly so that we can be more receptive to what God would give us. Persistence in prayer is really more for our sake. A lot of the labor of prayer and wrestling and struggling uh, and is all about the shaping that goes on inside of us as we strive to align our being with God. And that happens over time as we continue to lay our needs, our wants, our desires, our concerns before Him. Persistent prayer builds faith. It builds trust, a sense of dependence upon God. It builds a sensitivity to God's presence and God's guidance and prepares us for the answers that God will give. Prayer prepares us for the answers God would give us. Now, it was St. Teresa of Calcutta, I can say saint now, she's no longer Mother Teresa of Calcutta, but St. Teresa, who said, prayer enlarges the heart until it's capable of containing God's gift of Himself. Prayer enlarges the heart until it's capable of containing God's gift of Himself. So the more we pray, the more God is able to get, get through to us and get inside of us, and then therefore the more we are able to discern God's answers to our prayers when they come. And you know, sometimes God will give us what we have specifically prayed for. 
Sometimes He'll answer in a way that is totally unexpected, in a completely different way, a way that we had never even thought of. Sometimes in His wisdom, He will deny our request altogether, which is a good thing, because if I got everything that I asked God for, I mean, I would probably be a mess, because I'm not wise enough, you know, to know exactly. You trust God's wisdom. Sometimes His answer will be to wait. But prayer prepares us for His answer and attunes us to what that answer might be. So you see, it's actually more for us that we get on God's wavelength. It's not that God is reluctant, that we have to beat, beat Him down, you know. Not like that at all. But, you know, the one thing that we don't like to do, we don't like to wait for anything. I mean, we are impatient. We are an impatient people. I mean, the, the world seems to be spinning faster and faster and faster. All of our gadgets are getting faster and faster and faster. We want instant results, you know. But that's not really how life before God works. But still we ask, why does, still, why does God seem so slow at answering? And we pray and we pray and we pray and we see sometimes such precious little action. We meet silence, and we wonder, and we wait, and we don't like waiting. Well, I think you and I can empathize with the prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament. Do you know the prophet Habakkuk? I dare you to spell it right. <laughs> Habakkuk. I, there are too many K's in that name, uh, and uh, I always have to search the index for Habakkuk because I can never remember where it is, uh, but uh, it's, it's in between uh, Nahum and... Um, and Zephaniah, in case you're wondering. <laughs> but see, Epi uh, Habakkuk's problem was that he was impatient. He didn't seem to be getting any answers to his prayers. He was losing heart. He was growing discouraged in his walk of faith. Uh, and he was really concerned about his people, the, the, the people of God, the uh, they were uh, being invaded by foreign armies. It, it looked uh, like, you know, the, well, the, the future seemed very bleak, and all seemed lost. And so Habakkuk then cried out to the Lord. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and thou wilt not hear me? How long, O Lord? And so he, he was tempted to stop praying altogether in complete, dis to complete despair. But to his credit, he kept at it. He kept on praying, laid before God his concerns, listening for an answer. In fact, he even went up into his prayer tower. I guess he had a tower where he, he offered his prayers. He says, in chapter 2 of Habakkuk, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So he was looking for answers. He was praying, uh, and then finally his persistent prayer was rewarded. He received a vision from the Lord, a vision of what the Lord was about to do to save His people from distress. But he was to be patient. And so the Lord said to Habakkuk, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. 
The Lord will save His people. Habakkuk, your prayer will be answered, but in my time, not yours. And Habakkuk understood that. So you see, for him, uh, or, or at least that is for us, we need to pray persistently, but patiently as well, knowing that God has His own sense of timing. And at the end of the, of the parable, Jesus closes with the words, And will not God vindicate His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He de- delay long over them? I tell you, He will vindicate them speedily. God will answer prayer as He has promised, but He will do so in God's own time. And though our prayers may not seem to be answered, and though people continue to suffer, and maybe you suffer, and it doesn't seem like, like things are going your way, a time is coming when all shall be made right. Wait and see. God will act. In the meantime, keep on praying. Stand watch. The Lord will act. So, if it feels like your prayers aren't doing any good and uh, you're tempted to give in to despair and, you know, maybe just, you know, get rid of the whole practice of prayer, you know, just neglect it days and days and days, the word for us, for you and for, for me is to hang in there. Keep on praying. Don't lose heart. Your prayers count for more than you realize because you are deeply loved by God. God cares. God wants to bless us. God is on our side. God has our welfare at heart. So, therefore, we are to come to Him frequently, passionately, intensely, boldly. He invites us to come. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, Lord, continue to teach us the value of prayer, to understand how important it is. Yes, we confess that we don't pray often enough, and our prayers can be very selfish and very narrow, but Lord, we know that You long to have fellowship with us. And may you instill in us a desire to have fellowship with you by intentionally placing ourselves in your presence, listening to you so that we might hear your word, so that we might grow in our trust, and that we might have faith. Grow our faith, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.